this morning I want to preach a little bit African style, and uh, so you all have to stick with me. Um, uh, in American preachers have three points, right? All alliterated and in a straight line. Well, in Africa, we preach in circles. <laughs> Somebody's really happy this morning. <laughs> um, and so uh, you got to pay attention because you won't get it till the end. I also get really quiet and really loud, so I'm used to speaking. So please don't be offended if I get loud. I just get a little excited. Um, uh, I had shared uh, with you guys some time ago about going into... Uh, Clarkston. Clarkston um, is called by Time Magazine the most diverse square mile in the world. There are 190 people groups, 96 from unreached people groups. And um, a lot of them are fit into a category that's even more um, severe that we call uh, unengaged. And an unengaged people group is a people group that, according to our knowledge, there has never been a woman, a child uh, from the age of accountability or a man that have ever accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning that for all of history, everyone that has died has gone to hell. And that's devastating to us. And so... Uh, we started reaching, and we always tell you, if you come visit, you may share the gospel, and they may be the first person in all of history to receive the Lord Jesus Christ from their people group. Kind of cool. And um, so when I went in to do research, one of the things I found out real, uh, real early was the biggest people group there were the Somali. Well, Somali is actually not a people group. Somali is a nation made up of people groups. And the people, main people group in Clarkston from the Somali is a group called the Gari. The Gari since 1600 AD, there has never been one that has not been a devoted Muslim. And so uh, I thought, hmm, oh, that's interesting. And then randomly, like there's such thing in the kingdom of God, a professor walked up to me and said, I was put on a, com a committee to research to find out how to reach Somalis. Well, I, I, just, I didn't mess around. I said, right to it. I said, well, what did, you, what did you decide? And they said, we found out that the most effective people that were building a relational bridge that was strong enough to drive the gospel across delivered camel's milk. So... I said, we need to start a camel dairy, if we're serious about that, right? I shared this with you last time I was here. Well, I want to finish the story. So um, we, I was speaking, and in walked Louis. Louis was a camel, and they weren't giving me the camel, but they were giving me camel's milk. And so we had a chance to go out and dis distribute it to see how well this works. And so... Um, I wish I had done my research a little better. I invited this young group of young adults down, and I found out that there's a people group, there's an apartment complex that is technically just outside of Clarkston, and uh, it was named by HUD, is the worst living conditions in America, and that's where the Gari live. So uh, we told the young adults to come down, and we said, here's the deal, just knock on the door, and say, this is a gift from Envision Atlanta, and give them the camel's milk. 
right? Don't go in. Of course, nobody listened to me. Everybody went in. They said they couldn't help it. People invited them in and they drank tea. If you brought me camel's milk, you must be family. I got done and two of the older uh, uh, um, pastors that were from, they're from Ethiopia, but they understood some of the languages, um, were standing, we were kind of debriefing, and I looked over, and my two pastors are standing there kind of like stunned. And I go over and I said, hey, are you guys okay? And they said, son, you have no idea what you just saw. And I said, what did I see? And they said, the gospel penetrated more in the last 30 minutes than it has in the last 600 years. So I said, I'm buying a farm. I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know, but I got to buy a farm. And so I went out and started looking for a farm. And um, farms cost money, right? And so I tried to get some donors, tried to get some large donors, got some churches. I had churches that were waiting for a big project and I got to present it and, and we found this farm and, and, and then like I couldn't get a total commitment from some of the donors and, um, and so they told me it was, uh, if you can get the seller to say you are truly selling this farm and it was 450000 then we'll commit to giving. We're not sure how much, but can you get that? Okay. So I call the seller. I was like, I need you to just write a letter saying you're selling. They're like, no, no, no. Send us a contract. I said, yeah, I don't, I, let me think about it. So I told my real estate agent to send me a contract and let me read it over and hold it. And then I'll take it back and maybe just convince them that uh, we're looking at the contract, we agree to it, but can you just send a letter of intent? So she sends me this contract. Well, I'm what they call technologically disabled. So I looked at the contract and said, oh, I agree with that. And my initials appeared. I agree with that. So I agreed with everything she wrote. So I, I said, I agree. And my, my signature came up at the bottom. And so I sent it back to her. I thought, well, she's going to hold on to it. Texted her and said, I sent it back to you. About two hours later, she wrote me back and said, you didn't send that to me. I said, well, where did I send it? She said, you sent it to the seller and you just committed to pay $450,000 in the next 30 days. Whew. I couldn't sleep that night. I said, God, I'm just trying to take this gospel to a people group that's never heard. I thought I was following your road. And now I have 30 days to come up with $450,000. 
And I couldn't sleep, and I couldn't sleep. Finally, about four o'clock, you hear that little, let's be honest, sometimes annoying, still small voice, that said, I told you when you were worried to read my word. So I pulled out my Bible. And this is the verse that the Lord gave me. It's literally the first verse I read. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. Just be still. You talk about hope. The Lord of hosts will fight for you. Just be still. And I fell asleep. Let me give you the context of that verse. That verse comes, you've got the Israelites who have been literally in slavery for 600 years. And at one point, they were killing all the male babies. And they would beat them. And they would have to, to take the straw. And they cried out to God and said, God, come save us. And God sends them Moses. And Moses turns the water into blood. And then the frogs and everything else. And, and finally, it ends with the firstborn of every Egyptian home dies. And they beg the Israelites to go. And they give them gold to go. And so the Israelites go into the, the, the desert dancing, right? And everything's great. And then they look up. And what do they see? The Red Sea. And they hear some noise. And they look behind them. And what do they see? The Egyptian army. And this is how they act. I'm sorry here, I lost my place. And as, for, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. And they were terrified and they cried to the Lord. The, and they said to Moses, was it because there are no graves in Egypt that you brought us in the desert to die? Now remember, they were in slavery in your Egypt. And then it goes on and says, what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say in Egypt, leave us alone, we'll serve the Egyptians? Would it not been better to serve the Egyptians than die in the desert? This is their reaction. Now here's the thing. What led them into the desert? The pillar of fire. The cloud, they literally are looking at the pillar of fire that has the Spirit of God and they are afraid of the Egyptian army. Right? They choose to look at the Red Sea 
instead of the presence of God. Amen? That's what I was doing. I was choosing to look at the Red Sea. Story number two. I'm driving by one day by this building and our philosophy has been go to them. So we have rented apartments. Our staff lives in apartments. If you come down on a team, you will stay in an apartment. We go among the refugees. There are 38 apartment complexes that have about 18,000 refugees. So I look over and there's a building. The sign says for sale. And the Lord tells me, buy it. Uh, that's different than everything you've told me so far. And plus, this is Ponce. That's an acre and a half. There are two buildings on it. So I drove by. Next five times, the Lord told me, buy it. I said, I don't even know what you want me to have it for. We do everything from the apartments. So I went ahead and uh, I put a bid on it and went out front and did a Facebook Live and something crazy happened. People we didn't even know, people we didn't even have contact, churches that I never spoke at um, started sending in money. And in three months, we raised $417,000. Now, we still had to take out a loan, but we went ahead and bought it. So we're like, God, what are we trying to do? And then we started to work on doing the paperwork, and it just wasn't working. Right? And uh, so... Um, we were trying to get these designs up. We were trying to get everything, and it just wasn't working. And so it was going on. And then in February, we get this phone call, and it says, uh, it said, the, the phone, uh, said our children that go to school, we kind of assumed that they weren't eating, except at, home, at school. And they said they cut school, and we have no food in the house. We haven't eaten in 24 hours. Can you bring us a piece of bread. So we started bringing bag lunches and soon it was 160 and we begin to say, there's no way. This need is bigger than we can ever come up with. Right? And, and I begin to say, Lord, why would you make things difficult it, 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 it was just, it's just too big. How can we ever feed these, these children? There's thousands of them. We, we aren't set up for it. The Lord will fight for you. Just be still.
when the people of Israel went to Moses. This is how Moses responded. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. Just be still. And they split the Red Sea. Amen? So now back to story one. I woke up the next morning. I still had to come up with $450,000. But by that night, there was a problem with the farm that we could not buy. And they had to break the contract. And then I was excited, but then I said, but they're still, they're still gory that need to hear Jesus. I still need a farm. And so I went right out and started looking for another farm. And we found one. Got down the road, contract broken. Found another farm. This seemed perfect. Went down the road. Contract broken. Fourth farm. Contract broken. Finally, we come to the fifth farm. It seemed perfect. We checked out everything else that they had to break the contracts before for, and we found out that this one would work. And we were excited. In fact, I was supposed to speak at the church that ended up, a large church that ended up, uh, had been working towards this and we're going to pay for about half the farm. And so I said, you know what, they, they had a COVID outbreak. They said, uh, um, rather than preaching there, we'll, let me preach from the farm and say, the Lord will fight for you. Look at this farm. I preach a message, I send it off, and I got a phone call. We have to break the contract. I was mad. I said, God, I thought you were leading me on this journey. So I started to drive home. And I got home. And my son meets me at the door. And he says, Dad, how come you don't pray? No sympathy. How come you don't pray like you used to pray? I said, what are you talking about, Sam? I always pray. He says, no, no, no. Before, when there was an obstacle, you would pray. 
before you preach, every, you get everybody to pray for two minutes. And every time the obstacles were broken. I said, why don't you do that anymore? I wanted to lay them out. But he was right. That next Sunday, I was speaking and we prayed. And within an hour, we had a listing. Within 24 hours, we sent in a contract. Within another 24 hours, they took someone else's contract. Within a week, that person dropped their contract and they gave it to us. Amen? Here's the thing. This farm was twice the size of any farm we looked at. This farm was closer than any farm we looked at. This farm, the buildings were in better shape than any farm we looked at. This farm had a big section of woods that was ready to be, uh, uh, what's it called, where they cut down, uh, cut down, harvested, that would give us money to build our big barn. God didn't give us what I thought he wanted because it wasn't good enough. Because the Lord will fight for you, just be still. Amen? Story number two. The Lord said, if you love somebody, love is fluid. So we stopped everything we did and we started trying to feed these children. My daughter and I were spending between five and seven hours a day and we finally decided that we would, if... Somebody gave us $100, we'd spend $200 thinking if God gave us 100 he could give us another 100 And so we went into the stores. We were spending uh, five to seven hours a day going around. Because you remember at the beginning, you could only get two of everything. You all remember that. And so we would, we would hit different stores, and every day we'd hit more, and we would eventually come, but it still seemed like a lot. And then... We were feeling so good because God kept supplying. And so then we uh, heard um, six, uh, 11 other missions came up to us and said, hey, we got people that are starving. Is there any way? We don't know what, how to do this. And we're like, you know what? Just give us their names. We'll get boxes. Come by and we'll give you boxes. We weren't, it wasn't a food pantry where people came through, but we actually delivered to homes and we'd knock on the door and they'd come out and get it. And that way they weren't coming in and spreading COVID all over. And, and so it was just, but it also allowed us to be at their homes. And um, even if we weren't going in. And so uh, we just, we were having this incredible sweet time of being able to feed people. And, and we began to realize that bag lunches weren't enough. And so we started making these boxes and we delivered it for the whole family. And then we had these 11 and we're like, where are we going to get the food for this? And Atlanta Food Bank called and said, we would like you to be our distribution point. Amen? They said, there's just two problems. You got to have commercial fridges. And your warehouse has to have, be air conditioned. So I'm like, well, that can't be too big a problem. You know what a commercial fridge costs? About $8,000. 
So I went on Facebook Marketplace and I found a guy, a Christian that owned a Denton Scratch and he was able to sell me two of them for $1,250 a piece, which was $2,500. It was only $2,500 more than I had. So we went and got them and we wrote the check and the next day we got a grant for Amen? So I thought, well, we're on a roll. I called up the air conditioning guy and said, put in the air conditioning. He said, it's $18,000. I'm like, no problem. He put it in. I kept checking. I come home and ask my wife, did check come in for $18,000? A check never came in. But the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. I sheepishly went up to the air conditioning guy and like, uh, can I have the bill? He said, no. I said, why? He said, it's already been covered. We have delivered over six hundred thousand pounds of food have not received any government money it's just been uh, people giving money in the the food bank we had another organization start giving us a couple um, about a thousand pounds of food Um, we figure at our height we were delivering to 489 families well over 4,000 people but the cool thing is one of our people, Brian Baldwin, uh, went to deliver a box, set it down, knocked on it, realized he went to the wrong door. Wrong door for us, right door for God. An Iraqi uh, guy came out. They realized they were really bad off, so we started delivering. And one day, Brian shows up at the door, puts the food down. The guy comes out and says, um, can I talk to you? And he said, sure. He said, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm disabled because I got hit by an IED uh, fighting with the U.S. Special Forces. And um, he said, uh, I've seen the destruction of Islam. And then I see this. And he points to the food. And he says, I want to follow Jesus. The Lord will fight for you. Just be still. COVID's been tough. I've had good friends die. I've seen things shut down. I've seen hope leave the church. Right? Let's be honest. But our hope is found in the Lord that declares he will fight for us. Amen? So I don't know 
what your red are what your red sea is i don't know what your egyptian army is but i do know who your lord is and he declares i will fight for you just be still I still need him to fight for me every day. Sometimes it's not a Red Sea. Sometimes it's something small. But my hope is found in the one that declares to you, the Lord will fight for you. Just be still. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for all that you are, for all that you do. Lord, we're thankful that you have a love for the Gari. And you have love for those little refugee kids. And Lord, you are their hope. And then, Lord, I pray for each one of us that we will not get caught up looking at the Red Sea or the Egyptian army, but we will look at the pillar of fire and realize that your presence is so much stronger. We thank you for what you're going to do in your precious and holy name. Amen.